think I remember every single thing I've said on this show. Sometimes no. some sometimes someone will be like, "Yo, do you, yo, like I can't believe you talked about that thing that happened to you." And I'm like, "I can't either. I did that." Oh, okay. Please. You know what no. I mean? Like on our third episode, Kevin of of our friend of the show and in real life Kevin Marr was like, uh, Hey, I've been listening to uh, Zebras. I've been getting caught up. I'm, I'm glad that you're trying for a baby. This was 2017, mind you. And I was like, oh, what shit, talking? yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Because th- th- this was like maybe months later <clears throat> after I had said that. And I was like, oh, why did I say that? Yeah, because when we were, I remember actually, because like, yeah, yeah. We recorded like six or seven episodes before we started yeah. publishing. Yeah. And I was talking about. Well, you can listen to episode three, but I was talking about how I find the only time it's acceptable to talk about openly having unprotected sex with people is when you say, oh, we're trying. Yeah. Which is basically saying, like, we're just having unprotected sex. Yeah. It's the only time time people get excited about the fact that you're having unprotected sex. But anyways... You know, we should all be excited for people if they're having unprotected sex that they want to be having, that they're enjoying. If you're over 18 and it's consensual, consensual. Whoa! As long as it's consensual, over 18, legal, it's awesome. But hey, man. Yeah. uh, Hey, hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. Hi, Doug. I know Doug likes movies. He also likes... He seems to have a good taste in food, which is great. This is Zebras in America podcast, recording live from somewhere. That's a that's a reference to a bunch of things. Um, like you ever you ever think about Canadian eighties art crime wave, and then think crime pays while eating lion's mane? I ain't lion mane. Absolutely. Exactly, bro. I don't know. How have you been? I've been good, for the most part. Uh, job search is a little discouraging, but everything else in life is pretty great, so I can't um, I can't complain too much. Got a good credit score. Um, I've been like a madman, uh, just keeping up with Pinlet Empire and posting stuff and having stuff in the in the chamber for for when I'm not motivated. But right now I am. I, I've been watching so much. I'm in a I'm in a a phase again where I'm just watching a lot of stuff. Um, I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of stuff too. Like, I've been. Wa- I've been revisiting Italian cinema with Saskia. I've nice. been watching. I've been catching up with some new action movies. Um, nice. I think Frank Grillo is gonna give Scott Atkins the run for his money this year. But I don't know what Scott Atkins has in store. You but, mean in terms of like movies that come out? Oh, what do you mean? Just like he's going to run for his money and just in terms of just like the quality of the movies that they're in and put out? Well, well, I've already seen two action movies with Frank Grillo that were awesome. <clears throat> okay. That I guess out. I don't doubt that, but like is he as uh They're different. They're different kind of guys. As, as, so, yeah, Frank I, I feel like Frank Grillo is the Scott Atkins of guns. Hmm. Huh. Does that make sense? Like he's no, 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 he, yeah, yeah. I, I, like he's in a lot of action movies 
where he's like, I've got guns. Right. And Scott Atkins is a lot of in a lot of movies where he's got guns, except by guns I mean biceps. Yeah, damn right. And I really enjoyed Cosmic Sin, which is a space science fiction movie with Frank Grillo and Bruce Willis. Okay. Oh, and, oh boy. And I also enjoyed Look, you're still wrong about Marauders, by the way. Yeah. And I No, still... but the whole thing as you were talking I was like, space movie? Fred? Oh, this, and then you said Bruce Willis, and then it was just like, oh, did he did he shoot all his scenes on a camera phone and have them digitally edited in? Like, I made, Who, like, my, my... Why do you care, dude? If it's fun, it's fun. It Look, does affect the movie. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It has Okay, my, it, all right, it, it so, so, so next... But I'll still watch it. Okay, so next week, we're talking about Cosmic Sin and Boss Level. We have boss. Oh, boss. Oh, oh man. Okay, I got two things to watch. Okay, because okay, boss level is yeah is Groundhog's Day or you know actually they made a violent Groundhog's Day with Tom Cruise already and there's yeah, also Happy did. Death Day and apparently Palm Springs. So the trope yeah. of like living every day over and over again has been done a lot, but but Frank Grillo's Groundhog Day with with Mel Gibson was also awesome. And okay. so, so yeah, oh, let's man. do, let's do. Why do you always build these movies up? They're awesome. And then you name drop the other person in the movie. And I'm just like, oh, damn it. How but often whatever. do I I'll do that it. with, I don't do that with Mel Gibson very often. I do stand by the fact that I thought Dragged Across Concrete was a good movie with terrible politics directed by a terrible person. But yeah, aside from that, how often do I defend? Perfectly actually. Yeah. How often do I defend? Mel Gibson, I don't. What other movies? No, are you no, no. I didn't about? say you. No, no. I didn't say you defended anyone. It was just like it's got this, it's got this, this, and this. Like it was two movies in a row in like sixty seconds. Look, just I now. am. I am well aware that there are some people who probably think I have a straight up bad taste in movies. I just like what I like. So who cares? So, what do they know? I don't know. I'm just saying it would be fun to do like a lighthearted episode. Uh, but we are also, we do, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do that retrospective that we were talking about. Yes. Yeah, we are. Um, remind the fans what that one's going to be. Oh, damn. Ernest right, Dickerson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right? Ernest Dickerson? Yeah. Dick, that's his name? Yes. That is absolutely okay. his name. I, I don't need to... There's more recent stuff that I need to... He did a really... Man, he did a movie that I am going to rent and watch uh, in preparation for it. I th what was it called? Like, White Fences, Something Fences? It was with Danny Glover and Whoopi Goldberg, and it was about, like, essentially black-on-black -black internal racism. It was like a dark comedy. It was... Um, it, it. I remember liking it when I was, like... It was like... I was like... Early 20s when it came on, it came on cable, but it was just like, oh, the politics and everything about this movie are a little I mean, I think, I think Ernest Dickerson is, is, is a low-key, slept-on director, period. Yes, and he's also, and it's also interesting, too, because it's like, he, we're, we're here talking about how he is slept on, and, and, and I agree, but it's also weird how, like, his, his position in film is solidified as a cinematographer between Spike Lee and John Sayles and not just by those days but like the specific movies he shot and then it's also like he has this whole separate career as as a director it's like usually 
you know, sometimes cinematographers dabble in other films. Robbie Mueller made the, the lovely uh, left-handed woman, and uh, Agnes Goddard has made a movie or two, but still, it's usually a cinematographer stays in their lane, but Ernest Dickerson kind of, he made that transition. He, man, he was shooting Malcolm X and making juice essentially at, like, at the same time. I mean, he... That's pretty he, crazy. Right. He's a well-known cinematographer. He's an incredible cinematographer, but... Oh, sorry. He, uh, real quick, sorry. Ro- 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 Robbie Mueller's shot. Uh, Peter Hanke directed The Left-Handed Women. So I know all you listening right, right now who care what I just said. I, I have to correct myself. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Good Good Fences is the made-for-TV movie. Good Fences, yes, yes. Yeah. So that, it's on, like, that's Showtime a, or something. That's a blind spot for me on on his on his movies. Yeah. But the thing is, so, yeah, so, like, think about it like this. Like, for, for a lot of people, people don't even know Paul Schrader as a director. They know him as a writer. Sure, yeah. And if we're being fair... One in four movies he directs is good. I, 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 okay, yeah. Is it that? Am I that off? No, no, no. I was, I was, I was like, is it two out of four? But I, I'm not gonna waste my time thinking. This isn't about Paul Schrader, but it, 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 you have given me something to think about later. I'm just saying that he's, his, he's got a lot of variance. Oh yeah, yeah. Is all is all I'm saying. And Definitely. the reason why I'm excited about doing the movies of Ernest Dickerson is I think he has a very slept-on oof. That's it. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I've said this before, but I think Never Die Alone is a much better movie than given credit for. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing I have, like, little, zero to little mem- 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 memory of. That, that's actually the main thing I need to rewatch. Yeah, I really think you should watch it. For, yeah. for the show, because that's, that's no, that, my no, favorite that's the one. one. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm... But a few, yeah. a few days ago, you had me watch this movie from the 80s by John Pays called Crime Wave. Yes, I did. Which was like a fever dream of like happy days meets crime pulp drama meets interactive art meets like uh, Mr. Rogers on Acid or something. or yeah, and definitely Kenneth Anger and Talking Heads and yeah, all kinds of stuff. I definitely know why you like it, because it reminds me of that movie you like, Parents, by Bob Balaban. That, well, yeah, well, that's the similar kind of thing. It's like this, I think Crime Wave was slightly more uh, transgressive, experimental, whatever whatever fancy term you want to use, whereas like, you know, Parents, while it, it was a satire and it was, you know, some kind of commentary, whether it be parental Freudian, whatever. It was a more straightforward story where crime, crime waves kind of all over the place, but yeah, it's, they're from it's the same. Cl- they're cut from the same cloth. If someone like, if I was a basic person, I would say it's Adult Swim before Adult Swim. Right, 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 right. Of course. Yeah. What would, so one? What would you say? About, how would you describe this movie? Two. How did you find out about this movie? Three. Why do you like this movie? Four, why did you tell me to watch this movie? Sure, I can be quick with all of them. I, uh, Crime Wave, five, essentially... Five, uh, have you ever smoked PCP? I'll get to those in, in, in order. So, essentially, Crime Wave is about a, uh, a writer who's currently having writer's block. 
Uh, he can't come up with a theme or, or, or an overall. He can't finish this, 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 the next story that he wants to make. Uh, he currently rents a room from this family. Um, and he only gets inspiration at certain times at night. However, there's a lot of other little mini stories that branch off from this basic premise. You have uh, a killer couple. You have a, a killer Elvis impersonator. You have uh, a lot of random kind of like infomercial in, in interlude moments that kind of come out of Ren and Stimpy, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think going back to what you said earlier, you know, it's like a, it's very much a fever dream. Um, I came across this movie because recently I've been in a big Guy Madden phase. Guy Madden's one of my favorite filmmakers, but over this pandemic, it really hit me how much like I love his movies. Uh, Guy Madden is a, is another Canadian, uh, a Winnipeg-based filmmaker. Um, so I was just reading a bunch of interviews about him because Guy Madden's the kind of filmmaker that doesn't shy away from like, yeah, I ripped this scene off or I wanted to reference this. And then in a couple of interviews, he kept talking about this guy, John Pies, uh, who was his kind of like slightly his, his mentor. And then I was just like, oh, well, if there's someone who influenced Guy Madden, why don't I look into his stuff? And then that's how I discovered John Pies. But then to come, come to find out, uh, my, my good friend Dave Davidson of Toronto Film Blog, Toronto Film Review, sorry. Um, I remembered that for the last six years, he had been recommending that I see this movie Crime With because he was like, Marcus, you're going to like this movie. I came across some old tweets and old DMs where he was just like, hey, so MoMA's playing this movie Crime Wave, I think you like it. Hey, uh, MoMA, hey, Bam is going to be playing this movie Crime Wave. Hey, you can stream Crime Wave. And I just straight up kind of like ignored it slash forgot about it. Um, and then I remembered it all came together. It was just like, oh, this is that movie that my friend Dave was talking about. I watched it. This is definitely up my alley. I loved it. Um, and then I figured there's so much to talk about about it. Uh, so I figured I have a I, I co-host a podcast with my good friend and where we talk about movies so this would be a good subject because um, there's so many things as you can tell already between what both Scott and I have already said and uh, no I haven't smoked uh, PCP yet. Yeah, I mean it definitely like was very feverish and psychedelic and you know. You told me that he would move, go on to direct some episodes of Kids in the Hall. Yeah, and, and that that I didn't know until reading about him after watching Crime Wave. And then it was just kind of like, oh, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. Cause Kids in the Hall That's is what I'm saying, Canadian-based weird art. Well, I was just going to say that, that the vignette-style non-linearity yeah, of, yeah. of Crime Wave and the sort of obtuse out there humor and style definitely lends itself to kids in the hall which yep. i don't which i think uh might be the greatest sketch sketch comedy show of all time wow you you yeah that Chappelle show i guess it's Chappelle show see no i gotta go kids in the hall mr show of course and then for that third spot, I'm not sure. I, I personally, I want to go Upright Citizens Brigade. The thing for me with Chappelle's show, what, season one was fine. Season two was just out of this world amazing. And season three was like incomplete slash not good. So it's kind of like, I don't know. But I, I but I feel like I'm in the minority when I say that Chappelle's show season one was just like, was fine. Most, most people loved it. 
It was almost like the biggie of uh, of sketch shows in that two incredibly me- memorable seasons that everyone considers great, and then the, the third output was essentially posthumous or without that doesn't the, count. You know, I don't count it because he didn't put it out. But that's what I was saying. But like with Biggie's third album, even though Dead Wrong is a great song, that album, a lot of folks close to Biggie were just like, he would have never collaborated with those people. He wouldn't never wanted to put that song out. Like, so, like that's why I was like comparing it because it is quite similar. Um, but you're right. I mean, see, season three. Even I mean, if, I was, I oh, was mostly, I was mostly saying, um, Chappelle show because I think that's what you're supposed to say. But if I'm really sure. being honest, I think it would have to be Kids in the Hall, Wonder Shows in, um, and and I had another one that that I really liked. I don't know. I really like. I haven't watched a lot of sketch comedy show in a while. The Chris Rock show was quite good. See, I don't consider that's HBO. more just that was more like a talk show that had a, that that had that had some sketches. But the basic premise of Chris Rock was like you have a guest. He comes and he talks. I that, guess you're that right. Little... I guess well, you're Wonder right. Wonder Shows is, is Wonder Shows is an interesting. And Snoop Dogg's sketch comedy show is very slept on. Oh, Doggy Fizzle, yeah. Which made, was created made, by created by yeah the same some guy. of the Wonder Shows in people. Damn, he came up, Vernon Chatham. He came up in a conversation recently. I was talking with some buddies of mine, and this whole time, I never looked into it. I always assumed Vernon Chatham was from the South. Uh, but it turns out he wasn't. He's actually from Brooklyn, and now I kind of, I kind of rethink hmm. like so, so, some of his humor because it just definitely. Before I thought it was like okay, I don't know why I assumed it, but it's like okay, he's from the South, so it's okay that he makes fun of Southerners and calls them because he's probably has his experience, he knows it. But to be like, to be like a straight New Yorker, and then to have a lot of your humor make fun of Southern folks like that, it, it it's a little suspect to me. But we don't need to get into that. Um, he made the shivering truth, and so he'll always be good in my book at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, still. I I just think, can you really deny how good Wonder Showsen was when it came out? No, I, I can't, and and I, I like it even more now because like a lot of that second season, it made like frust it made frustration into art. Exactly. Not, see, so, season one was just tr- kind of, I, I don't want to say traditional, but season one was just like, great, great. Season two took took a minute to be like, oh, this is actually, it's it's annoying and frustrating, but it's art. Like, just exactly. the repetitiveness of, of everything in that season. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And and obviously, like, if you're listening, like, yeah, we could talk about, we could talk about Mad TV or SNL, no, no, no. but like people know about them. I'm more interested sure. in reminding you of the Ben Stiller show or oh, Trey. God, the Ben yeah. Stiller show. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Or this, or like the State Tracy, or like the Tracy yeah. Ullman show. Hell yeah. You know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because without Tracy Ullman, you don't have The Simpsons. Yep. And I do kind of remember loving um, all that. Sure, all, all that was funny. And I, I gotta, think I got to shout out in Living Color also, even though towards the I, end did I it's not say in Living funny, Color but, yet? No, but it, I mean whatever, it's fine. Um, and I like Mr. Show, but I don't love Mr. Show. Oh. What about? Do you consider the Animaniacs a sketch show? 
No, no, because they got into like the each episode had like a linear story. They were getting to an adventure, you know. But yeah, they had little offshoots, similar to like a Red and Stimpy. Like Red, Red and Stimpy had like each episode had one main thing, but a lot of other weird random stuff happened off off the side. But no, I, I those are it's it's episodic TV. If we're going with labels. Okay, but can we talk about how good Animaniacs is? It's great. I guess that's all I really have to say. Yeah, Though, yeah. Uh, I know that they tried, I think they brought it back, but I remember that there's a scene from that show where where someone is asking one of the Animaniacs to draw a picture, and they show a blank piece of paper, and mm. the person's like, what is this? And I think it's Dot, and Dot says, it's a picture of a cow eating grass. And they say, well, where's the cow? Where's the grass? And she goes, the cow ate it. And where's the cow? He left because he ate the grass. <laughs> which, which made me, which also reminds me that in Crime Wave, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, negative space and silence and talking about what happens in between our life, which, you know, there's this there's this specific concept in Japanese art called ma, which is like the concept of negative space. Like, what is not shown is as important as as what is shown, according to the idea. Like, not right. as intensive as like uh, 433 by John Cage, where it's like a silent song, you know, composed of rest notes where the music is the noise made by other people, the diegetic shit. Or like Rauschenberg's painting of blank canvases, but yeah, that's just a vibe. So I'm just saying that there's a lot. Definitely, Ren and Stimpy is is really good cartoon, but yeah, Crime Wave is a lot of vignettes. So it doesn't surprise me that he worked on Kids in the Hall. Yeah, and just the whole like <clears throat> to give it one a little more coherent. Throughout, I guess, kind of uh, throughout a few seasons, they had this recurring thing called It's a Fact, where it was like this young girl would kind of run up out of nowhere and just state a random fact about something. And even her voice sounds like, um, or I guess I left out, in Crime Wave, the majority of the story is told from the, from the perspective of this little little girl, Kim. And like the, her voiceover narration is very similar to the girl in the Kids in the Hall show sketches where it was like, it's a fact. Uh, they even kind of look alike, so that I, I wonder if, you know, because the Kids in the Hall all came from, like, this kind of artsy side of Canada, so I wonder if, like, they knew about Crime Wave, which predates Kids in the Hall by, by a few years, and that's why they brought him on, because it's kind of like, oh, this guy's weird and he's Canadian, we should work with him, because he made this movie, because Crime Wave is kind of a cult favorite among kind of the Canadian art house scene. Um, so, so that wouldn't surprise me. And Canada has quite the art house, and yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely has like definitely has a a, a who's who pedigree of c comedy and music. And speaking of how you were talking about the southern stuff earlier, Neil Young was from Canada, and oh, I and while that. oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. One of the greatest American songwriters is from Canada, and <laughs> and Leonard Skinner were very miffed 
by his song Southern Man. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And while Neil Young wins against Leonard Skinner every day, there's not... I think Leonard Skinner's best song doesn't beat Neil Young's worst song during his heydays. Personally, I'm not a Leonard Skinner fan. Me neither. And I'm not about to defend Leonard Skinner, but they did have a point. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. I, I was having this conversation. I'm not going to say under what context, but I was texting my friends and we were just like, it's so weird. People in like New Jersey, Long Island, Philadelphia, Boston, whatever, they really act as if like the racist stuff is like south of Washington, D.C. It's so weird. Like to, to this day, they, they really act like, well, we never had the Klan, so it, it's, it's, it's not the same. And it's kind of like, Sure, it's not the same, but it's just as bad, only different, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're way more aggressive. Um, There's a lot of racism north of the Mason-Dixon. Seriously. Seriously. people love to act that certain shit doesn't happen. Yeah, I I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. No, I I don't. I don't don't get it, because also there's, like, a lot of microaggressional shit that that is very racist and classist that that the north does and but yeah crime wave it's it's on amazon you should watch it it's a great movie it's yeah. super weird i had a i had a good time watching it i definitely sometimes be watching these weird 80s movies about sad white people that you have me watch and i'm like marcus really likes these weird sad white people movies <laughs> Yeah, this this is kind of a change of pace. I, I do have to shout out uh, John Pius, who uh, responded to my review, and he had a very nice thing to say, so that kind of made made my day um, also. So it was very nice of him. Yeah, he, I mean, it was a very cool movie, man. And, yeah. And it's just, it's just so amazing how many weird movies people have made and used to make yeah because because you know like uh carlo sent me recommended me watch i had never seen walter hill's musical streets of fire mm-hmm. you right, ever seen yeah. it? if diane lane was in something when i was a kid i saw it so yes well i Very would like to stuff. I would like to dedicate a whole episode to musical disaster pieces, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. Oh, that's a good topic. I got, I'm already, damn, my mind's already Right? Working. The gears are yeah. turning. Yeah. All, Chirac all... to, oh my gosh, let me stop. Yeah. Yeah, we can we can plan that one. But you could also like play a drinking game of, of take a shot every time Scott and Marcus said they were going to do an episode about something and didn't do it. But let me uh, tell you something. You wouldn't get too drunk. We 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 followed through. I'm just saying, you, you unless you have a podcast and a family, you know it's you, you it's a lot of talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that movie is awesome and definitely reminds me of this other space that we're going into. Because when I was talking about Reuben and Ed with you and Vern when Vern yes. was on. Yeah. He recommended to check out this movie called The Dark Backward from which from the 90s 
by Adam Rifkin, yeah. starring uh, Judd Nelson and uh, famous MERS fan and actor, director Bill Paxton, yeah. and Laura Flynn Boyle. And like other people too, which is, uh, I guess we'll get into that, but it's like James Caan James is Conn in is it in quite there. a bit, but it's not like... I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I'll 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 say what I want to say short shortly. But yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. And just like this very strange body horror comedy sci-fi movie where it's like if if entertainment king of comedy and hardware had a baby. Whoa. Entertainment, that's, king of comedy, and hardware. Yeah, wow. That's insane. Oh, you, you were right. I was going to say, oh. Because, yeah. Could, w- w- would you say that that's pretty accurate? You know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that, yeah, no, it's literally the point of... Yeah, yeah. this... Co- this, this, this co- in, in what I'm assuming is some sort of dystopic reality, Judd Nelson develops an arm in his back and tries to become a comedian. Yeah. Definitely exists in the world of Reuben and Ed. A thousand percent. You know. From the from the buddy element to, you know, you know, it's funny too. A lot of a big portion of this movie in, in a weird way reminded me of uh, tape heads also. Oh, definitely. Um, even right down to just I do love the I mean, you know, things don't necessarily work out in the end. And he does have his own motivations, but Bill Paxton's character, just like John Cusack's character, he does push his friend to pursue his art. He's like, no, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good. You know, it is like, about and, pursuing you know, a dream, yes, even if the dream, even if the dream is a nightmare, yeah. and is totally bizarre, and also also has best of the best twos when Wayne Newton as as a you know. Uh, yeah. As a comedian, as a uh, what do you call uh, a promoter? A talent agent, an agent. Talent agent. Yeah, promoter, agent. Yeah, all all that stuff. And then you got Rob Lowe that shows up. Rob Lowe's just randomly the in there. Yeah. And best of the best two, very weird movie compared yeah, to is. best of the best one. Yeah, well, because best of the best one, I mean, in a way, that series took a turn similar to like Rocky, where it's like it's just this one movie. It's this personal kind of thing, and it's like, oh, let's make a series out of it, and let's kind of, you know, let's kind of go left field with it and and do other stuff. I think the best of the best series went very more left field than the Rocky series because it got it just turned into like action movies. It wasn't about yeah. Like I think it's more Rambo almost. Yeah. Yes. 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 Very much so. Because because like even though obvious even though like yeah. Good point. Rocky and Best of the Best make more sense because the it's a it's like if if Rocky two was about Rocky becoming a vigilante, right? Yeah. Because like Best of the Best, Best of the Best, the first one is just like a regular sports movie. Yeah. Where Best of the Best two is a revenge cage fighting film. Yeah. How many how many podcasts you know of talk about Crime Wave, Best of the Best two? And the dark backwards in the same sentence. Zero. 
But yeah, the dark backwards was so bizarre. It's just there there was a time where people made movies like this. Yeah, like six I, I know. String samurai. Know. People made movies like Six String Samurai. Yep. I don't think like where are people making movies like this? Where is there a world where you can make like a where you can make bizarre films like this that disappear and reappear whenever you want? Yeah, I, I truly don't know. And you know, the other thing too, for I was looking at the like trajectory of the folks in this movie, like this is very much like an actor's movie too. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things like, hey, you're an actor, just just kind of go go crazy, do do whatever you want. And it's like Judd Nelson, he was like without knowing it, Judd Nelson was almost at the start of like the down point in his career, like you know, but you know, because because uh, New Jack City hit, hit, was in the midst and like Bill Paxton was in the middle of being like. Uh, a regular of in James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow film, so he was like the man. So like a guy like Bill Paxton at that point in his career, he didn't have to do a movie like this. He could have just kept it. Uh, I'm using air quotes here, Hollywood. But then you know I absolutely forgot how like it was always Bill Paxton's early on. He wanted to be like a, a weird filmmaker. He just happened to kind of just the acting thing just happened to work out more for him. But he always had like a foot in the kind of like weird off-brand kind of pseudo experimental film and, side of, of, of things and i whenever we talk about bill paxton i feel that it's very important for me to mention that every single time is that he was a huge underground rap fan yeah it it, it it's very interesting I, I i think it does it needs to be repeated the fact that like you can find online him talking about MERS and people under the stairs and another yeah. rap group that I don't like. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, Double K. Oh, right. the, I was just going to say, yeah. The fact that you can find that somewhere is amazing, especially, sure. cause, especially because as you find out, the reason why he was into underground rap is only because his son was into underground rap and he yeah. was just trying to be close to his son and it turned out that he liked it yeah and and it's you know bill paxton directed two movies frailty and and uh the greatest game ever played and frailty like people have been talking about how good that movie is for for 20 years now yeah they have because because that was that was a really interesting excellent twist on i guess that's a horror film but whatever it is yeah a psychological religious horror like you know more more i think it's more thriller i i'm not gonna argue if somebody wants to call it a horror movie but it, it, it still it feels more psychological thriller to me than than like horror but whatever whatever Again, it labels. is it's an awesome it's an awesome movie yeah. So the fact that that was what he wanted to do was make m make a movie like Frailty, and why like the idea that it's possible that what that during the making of Frailty he was listening to Def Jux just makes me really happy. Yeah. Well, wait. I don't know if that would have been. Frailty came out in two thousand one. 
Why do I keep it's thinking possible. that movie was like 98 or 99? Oh, so then it's definitely possible. And and can't you just let me have that? Did you have to will actually that one, Marcus? No, I, I'm making sure you say right stuff. I'm looking out for my friend. I don't want him to like... What, by, by saying... Oh, okay, whatever. No, but you were right. It doesn't matter. I, 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 was, I, was, I was wrong. You might... No, you might be... Well... Okay, so... No, 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 no. The first Def Joke stuff was like super, super late. It was like 99, 2000. By 2001, they were well underway. It's po- So let's say this. It's possible he was listening to some sort of under... Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, he was listening to that Ill Bill song, uh, where he ta- where he just talks, uh, or, or the the the, El- the company flow song, where Ill Bill just talks. Yeah. Uh, about Microsoft. Yeah, I'm that. sure. I'm sure LP would really be happy for people to put a microscope under his early work. <laughs> Except, you know, I he do. Th- he, he's safe. No, no, no one, no, no one even. He's fine. I I think this new thing of retroactively putting a microscope on people's behavior 20 years ago based on what behavior is supposed to be now is is misguided at best. Especially, how do I even say that? I mean, if someone... Is, is still the same person as they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. What is the point? Like It's like you don't need to dig in their history. We see that they're terrible right now. You're not doing anything. Flip side, if they are a different person, it's like, you know, I go back to stuff like jail. Jail exists for a reason. We're not going to get into the whole prison industrial complex, but it's just kind of like people will get sadistic about jail sometimes, and it's just like it should be in there forever. And it's just like, well, you know... This guy, like, he just stole a television. Or, okay, maybe he is so, like he punched a guy in the face. So, so you, you're telling me someone should stay locked up in a dark, tiny cell for the rest of their lives? Like, the whole point is rehabilitation. Yeah, I mean, like, change. Like, you got. There's there's always going to be certain situations where I don't give a shit. I'm not going to give someone that. But those are few and far between. Generally speaking, and I always find the same humans that preach change and what what whatever are the most rigid in terms of like nope canceled which i always find that to be funny too but yeah i mean i don't find anything funny about this Mm. that's not completely true but i i don't want to go deeply into this today but i i would have an argument even to go as far as that there shouldn't be prisons not to say that there shouldn't be done things for people that commit crimes but I do believe that the way that that prisons and jails are set up in this country are not conducive to change. They they are but, not. I, I agree. But that's that's a completely different story. I just think the Dark Backward was was a super strange movie. Vern, thank you for recommending it. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah I'm just really into like these late '80s, early '90s satirical violent weird movies yeah it, it was it was it was a weird time it was a weird time because even crime wave i would say to be in a similar milieu or whatever but just that people were making weird movies it didn't make no sense yeah i might even put i might even put poison by todd haynes up in there like you just like yes no yeah it, i don't think there's a might so yeah i was just i'm just 
you know, that's that's where I'm at this week. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because this whole talk, I was thinking, too, a guy, um, after you mentioned parents, you know, I was saying, you know, Bob Balaban's work as a director fits in this whole talk as well, because he went on to make, you know, that movie My Boyfriend's Back, which was another kind of weird early 90s, what the hell's going on movie, and then he would go on to, to work in sketch comedy adjacent shows like directed episodes of strangers with candy and stuff like that so it, it, it's all kind of it's this interesting tone this this interesting type of of, of of humor with different layers and whatnot it's 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 interesting exactly and uh i'm just you know i'm just excited because like even last week when we were able to interview and talk with the great, wonderful Charles Burnett. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about sometimes just not feeling it, you know? Yeah. At at the beginning of this week, I was like, I think I'm going to take this week off. I don't want, I have nothing to talk to Marcus about. I'm not excited about anything. And then all it takes is, is a good movie and it transports you back. Yeah. So I'm always happy to travel in this world with you, my friend. Same, man. I appreciate you saying that. Anyone can get hit, anyone can get the center of the energy spirit. 